Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So again, this is the second half of the 19th class. Uh, again, on Saturday we covered uh, the first Noble Truth, and uh, it took up the whole class. It was a solid two hours. And uh, John punted and asked me to finish up. Uh, this actually was my first teaching. Right. I did the, uh, with Jen, I did the third and fourth. So, as uh, you know a little bit. It's an interesting sutta. It's, you know, I like to think of this as a perfect sutta for people that are brand new to the practice, people that are coming back to the practice. Uh, and people that are struggling with the practice because this in a very clean clear-cut fashion tells you really what right view is and the structure of this sutta again is it's heavy on the first and the fourth noble truths and I've thought of it I always kind of got a little Myth that you know the third noble truth was given 21 words, literally 21 words. It's covered, and when you think about the context of Sariputta, he's often considered the mother of the Sangha. In Mogalana, is the the nurse, and if you think of it that way. When I read this teaching, just imagine they're all brand new bhikkhus. They're not, you know, they're. This may be their first teaching, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so what better way to, you know, set up a brand new student is this is suffering, and they go briefly through the second and third noble truths. I'm sure when they break up into smaller groups, like in the Anapanasati Sutta, they'll flesh those out a little bit more. And then the fourth noble truth is extensively covered. And I think that's probably for a first-time person, not a bad way. This is your problem. This is what you do about it. This is what you do about it. And the reality that you can get lost in the second and third noble truth. Uh, So... I think that's a good way to think about this. And again, Sariputta reads this or, or conducts this teaching, and there's no commentary. He just he, he's just putting it out. So it's a rather short one, but without like what we do, comment on everything. You know, it, it does go rather quickly. I'm going to read a little bit about uh, at the beginning. Uh, 
when the Buddha actually is uh, kind of introducing. Friends, associate with wise disciples such as Sariputta and Moggallana. Sariputta and Moggallana are well-trained, focused, wise, sympathetic to those developing a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. Sariputta is like the mother giving birth, and Moggallana is like a nurse that attends to the baby. So again, Sariputta's job is really to introduce these brand new ordained bhikkhus, and Moggallana is really to take it to the highest culmination. So it really is, think about the sangha's growing. Uh, not everyone's as, you know, with the background of the five original sangha members. These are people just coming in from the countryside, possibly, with very little training. So they've got to, you know, split up duties. And Sariputta is the one who probably takes care of the initial introductions. Sariputta, Buddha continues, Sariputta is able to declare, teach, describe, set forth, reveal, explain, and make plain the Four Noble Truths in detail. Having said these words, the Buddha left for the days abiding. So he's endorsed Sariputta. You know, at this point, the Buddha can't be the only one teaching, but with Sariputta and Moggallana, he's got these two people that rather quickly gained awakening and were trusted. So I'm going to jump into the second noble truth. Again, John's going to post the Saturday's class, so you know, please uh, listen to that. That there was actually some interesting conversations between Laura and Mary, and uh, you know, good questions about uh, the clinging aggregates. So, and what is the noble truth of the origination of stress? The very craving that makes for becoming further ignorant, craving clinging to passion and delight, entranced here and there with craving for sensuality, craving for continued becoming, craving for non-becoming. This is called the noble truth of origination of stress. That's it. These are John's comments. Wise and skillful disciples understand that the Dhamma is practiced within the individual life as life unfolds. Each moment holds the potential to become further ignorant or become further awakened. In what friends is the noble truth of the cessation of stress? This is a third noble truth. The renunciation, the relinquishment, the release, the letting go, the remainderless fading away in the complete sensation of craving. This is called the noble truth of cessation of stress. I personally think that this is what people often sleep on in our practice. If you don't buy into this, then your practice is without purpose. This is this is the nut. This is what you have to come to realize that this is where people embellish. This is where people try to tweak it. This is where people get frustrated. This is why people leave. This is the 
the gist of what we do. And it's, it's a difficult one. It's, it's one thing to intellectually understand what suffering is and the, the origination. But this is in, in 21 words, the Buddha is you know, telling us, and in this case, Sariputta, you know, oftentimes there's not a lot of further explanation around, are there other suttas where it's a long explanation of the third noble truth? I tend to get on. I tend to go on uh, you know, as a commentary. But as a commentary, but yeah. as a statement, it's a it's a um, rather short. It always ends up being short. And you know, I don't know if this is actually analysis, but it's a statement. Right. And rather quickly, again, rightly so. In this setting, they go directly into the fourth noble truth. And what... Only in, in the Satipatthana does he go on a bit about. Mm-hmm. How you know uh, how quickly you can you can attain this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of you know going into the third noble truth. Yeah, it's always Other been interesting. Things, yeah. And what is the noble truth of the path of the Dhamma practice that leads directly to the cessation of stress? This path is the noble eightfold path. Right view. Right view is knowledge with regard to stress knowledge with regards to the origination of stress, knowledge with regards to the cessation of stress, knowledge with regards to the Eightfold Path of Practice leading to the cessation of stress. This is right view. If you have any other definition of right view, you are on an ignoble path. There's no tweaking, there's no embellishment. This is our practice. And when you say that I'm in right view, if it's not structured based on what those words just presented, you will get confused, you will get discouraged, and you will wonder why you're frustrated. I like to think of it as if you're not in right view, It may be a loving view and a gentle view, but if it's not based on the Four Noble Truths, then there's an impossibility of becoming awakened. It's, it's, it's important to, when you sit, to think about right view, the way it's presented here, because then it gives you purpose. I like to each morning just remind myself of this, this just this one part of the Eightfold Path to make sure why am I sitting, what's the purpose of me sitting, and it's not a chore. It's it's for a purpose that my I frame my life and my thinking to this this right view and. I feel with that approach, I can pierce the ignorance that I can develop the path. Otherwise, it's an ignoble search. And that's what, you know, I think what, two classes ago, mm-hmm. we spent three classes. Mm-hmm. And not only the, why do I sit, but why do I get off the cushion? Why do I get off the cushion? Yeah. And to make your mindfulness right mindfulness 
So, right intention. Right intention is maintaining mindfulness of the intention for renunciation. Again, rolling back to the third noble truth. It's, that's the purpose of right intention. For freedom from ill will, from harmlessness, for cessation. This is right intention. Those are the wisdom factors. The virtuous factors, I always like to think of the virtuous factors are, and again, we, we've all experienced our speech has improved, our internal speech has improved. I always like to think of it as kind of like the canary in the coal mine. It's that, it's that quick little nudge in your mind when you're not in right speech. So this is right speech. This is a test. This is only a test. Yeah. Right speech. Right speech is abstaining from lying, abstaining from divisive speech, abstaining from abusive speech, abstaining from gossip and idle chatter. This is right speech. And it's that internal speech that we have, the self-loathing, the, the being too harsh on yourself. And again, I roll always back to right view. Is my speech, even if it's better than it was seven years ago, is it framed by the, the Eightfold Path in right view? Right action. Right action is abstaining from taking life, abstaining from stealing, abstaining from sexual misconduct. This is right action. Right livelihood. Right livelihood is when a skillful disciple of the Noble Ones has abandoned dishonest livelihood and provides for themselves with honesty. This is right livelihood. So those three, just again, it's your thought, words, and deeds framed by the Eightfold Path, the entire Eightfold Path. And just keep in mind, what did the Buddha awaken to? Dependent origination. So I, I always like to overlay any of the Buddha's teachings over dependent origination. Always keep in, in mind that this ignorance is something that can be pierced and it can be destroyed. And that's really what you're doing. You're, you're replacing ignorance with the wisdom. And it's built off this Eightfold Path. Right effort. Right effort is when a skillful disciple of the Noble Ones internally generates the skillful desire who is persistent, who remains mindful of their intent for the non-arising of unskillful qualities that have yet arisen who remain mindful of their intent for abandoning unskillful qualities that have arisen, who remain mindful of maintaining non-confusion and for increasing, developing, and the, the culmination of the skillful qualities that have yet arisen. This is right effort. I think everyone likes right effort. I think oftentimes they think coming to class and having good attendance and People always point out, oh, you, you drive so far. That's not right effort. 
that's just what I have to do to get here. But right effort is more than that. And again, this is a perfect sutta for new people. And Ram often points out, put it on your refrigerator. This is a to-do list. This is something to keep in mind at all times. And right effort is it, it, it is a one to you know be very aware of. And it's, it's laid out in in such detail that there's there's no situations in life where you can't apply this. Mm -hmm. And this is such a simple format. Yes, yeah, the format is simple. It's really, this is a, really a teaching tool. It is. <clears throat> and this is a, it's a sutta on how, how to be a, a teacher. It, it really is a, an example of how you should approach teaching any sutta and, and how to conduct yourself within the sangha. Number seven, right mindfulness. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the body and of itself and remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of feelings in and of themselves and remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of thoughts in of, of themselves while remaining ardent, alert, mindful, and putting aside greed, distress, with reference to the world. Right mindfulness is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones remains mindful of the present quality of mind in it of itself while remaining ardent, alert, and mindful of putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. This is right mindfulness. Take the time to listen to Jen's teachings earlier this summer on uh, mindfulness. She she has a really good approach to to right mindfulness, and I think those are all posted. Right meditation. Right meditation is when a skillful disciple of the noble ones has established seclusion from sensuality and unskillful mental qualities. They enter and remain in the first jhana. The first jhana is experienced as rapture born of that very seclusion. It is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. So again, this whole study is jhana meditation. But now it's within the context of the Eightfold Path. And it's really the, the tool to allow you to properly develop the Eightfold Path. And John's uh, comments real quick. This, is, this first John is simply the initial pleasant calming that occurs from taking refuge in seclusion, becoming mindful of the breath in the body. And again, our jhana instructions lay out each one of the you know, uh, 
four foundations of mindfulness. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depend on the second jhana, which is sealing of directed thought and evaluation. The second jhana is experienced as rapture and pleasure born of a concentration. So you've calmed yourself. It's not just having that, that seclusion and it's now it's concentration as it deepens. Free of directed thought and evaluation, the joy of concentration permeates their entire body and mind. This second jhana is deepening awareness of mind calming in the body as a point of concentration. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depend on the third jhana, which is the fading of rapture. They remain equanimous, mindful, alert, sensitive to pleasure. With the fading of rapture, this pleasant abiding permeates their entire mind and body. John's comments. This third jhana is characterized by the stilling of directed thought and evaluation and now able to experience the subtle pleasures of the mind calmly united with the body. This is a pleasant abiding free from comparison to what is no longer present. Furthermore, the ending of the defilements depend on the fourth jhana, which is the abandoning of evaluation. They enter and remain in the fourth jhana, which is pure equanimity and mindful. Being pure, neither pleasure nor pain is seen. They sit permeated in mind and body with pure, bright awareness. The fourth jhana, which is a pleasant abiding, this is right meditation. John's comments. This fourth jhana is simply a deepening level of concentration and resulting pleasant abiding that remains at peace no matter what arises. This pleasant abiding is the defining characteristics of a well-concentrated mind having integrated the Eightfold Path. If you notice, they don't delve into further realms that the Buddha will tell you if you're dabbling in them, abandon them. They don't even address them in this sutta. Yeah, again, he's, because he's talking to he's beginning thinkers. Because they might actually be people that are looking for that. Mm-hmm. And again, Saraputta is setting the groundwork of this is not something to be chased after. And if you experience it, abandon it, because it's not the real world. Saraputta continues. This is the noble truth of the Eightfold Path that leads directly to the cessation of stress. Friends, it was here that the Thakata set in motion the unexcelled wheel of Dhamma. This Dhamma cannot be corrupted by any Brahmin, Deva, Mara, Brahmin, or anyone in the entire world. No one can corrupt the revelation, the declaration, the description, the structure, the explanation, and the clear and direct teachings of the Four Noble Truths. This is what the Venerable Sariputta said, gratified those in attendance who were delighted in uh, Venerable Sariputta's words. That's the end of the sutta. Thank you. Again, I, I think this is a perfect sutta for all of us, but certainly brand new people and people that are struggling because it really is a, a skinny down version of what often confuses people 
when it gets a little more into deep detail. But this is really, you know, in its clearest form, what the Eightfold Path is and really what our practice is and the purpose of it is. And right view is both an entrance and a culmination. And don't think of this so much of a linear practice because it's the Eightfold Path is something that is going on all at once. It shouldn't be seen as something that you're attaining one by one. It's something that's developing based on your right view. So why don't we go around the room? I think we have a few people here. Uh, why don't we start with my friend Brian? Hi, David. Thank you for this. Um, you know, I, I, it was it was jumping out to me the the lack of things that were in here, and just just pointing to the again the limiting nature of the Dhamma and the limiting nature of the the Eightfold Path that didn't even pull in the the, the other dimensions to this one. It just isn't it isn't necessary. Um, and being just straight to the point on what each of these components are. And I, I think I, how much can you say about cessation, right? Like that's the end game. And then the, the rest of it's how do you get the, to the end game? Um, so I think that just intuitively makes sense to me as well. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think sometimes in listening to these suttas over and over again, it's, it's almost seems like the struggle of keeping the saga focused on just this and you can see how people want it to be more than what it is or you know the goal of it different than what it is so you know having this as a, a kickoff to your your development of the eightfold path is it, it, it's a good one great Hi, Jane. Hi, David. Thank you for the teaching. I agree with what Brian said. I mean, this one was just very straightforward, um, easy to understand language. Um, it's like the purpose, you know, why, why are we practicing? And this one just lays it out in, in very simple terms. So thank you. Thank you. And again, we should all think about when we have doubt or confusion, is it because we don't look at this sutta and just run down rather quickly and see where we're kind of going off the bumpers of the the heartwood? Where's the sticky point? What's that? Where's the sticky point here? Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Jane. Sammy. Thank you so much. This was very insightful and very straightforward to echo what Jane said and Brian said. This was wonderful and very straightforward. Thank you so much. And being fairly new, I'm sure you've run into some of our teachings that are flying over your head and trying to just hold on to, you know, understanding. And it's always good to fall back to a sutta like this 
Yeah, what you just said actually, um, right before you called on me was, I, I think this will be something I can kind of carry with me and that I'll always go back here, you know, if I'm having problems about getting stuck, this will be, this teaching tonight as well starts evaluating on, you know, where, how do I get unstuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And, we, and there are some of us in this room that can get overly analytical and academic about about it and you can twist yourself up a little bit but the essence of what the Buddha taught is in this sutta so thank you hi Jennifer You there, Jennifer? Sorry. Hi. Thank you very much for this teaching. You're correct in that as a returning student, this is a really good place for me to start and to get my head straight. There is so much to to absorb, and uh, this grounds me. This teaching grounds me. It is that place that I can come back to when all the other stuff is going over my head. I can keep coming back to this and trust that I'll understand the other stuff as it comes along. Mm-hmm. Let's get groundwork. It, it, it's a good way to like use this suit and how it's presented. And then you can hang these other subjects onto it and it puts it into context and if you always fall back to you know what right view is the way it's presented here then i think it helps with the the possible confusion of trying to tackle dependent origination or the the five clinging aggregates and puts it in the context of what the purpose is it doesn't again it keeps it keeps it out of the mystical. It keeps it out of the magical. Or it, it, it's it's a very individual, private practice. Even though we rely on the sangha for support, it you have to stay grounded and stay in right view the way the Buddha is presenting it. So thank you, Sammy. Hey, Slav. Hello. Uh, it's very interesting sutra. And I just was read uh, last night, just listened to you today. And before <coughs> starting read last night, I was asked, what can be new to learn from me about it? Fault quests. I know this very well. I even memorize stuff and blah 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 blah. But when I start read last night, it's yes, it's really straightforward, and it's definitely sutra which one you, if you practice this path, you have to come back and back and back because 
it's uh, easy to read, maybe easy to understand, but it's very hard to practice. Mm-hmm. And John would say that's correct, but it's also again when I frame it in this type of sutta, it it gives me a purpose. And it doesn't make it necessarily easier, but it, it allows me to be really gentle with myself and not be harsh on looking for results and to know that, you know, this is a gradual practice. And, you know, Jane always uh, says it really well that you know, maybe, maybe awakening isn't going to happen, but look how good your life is now. I know Jane says that often, and uh, the, the benefits are easy to see right away. So, you know, maybe not be so goal-oriented that there's only, you know, awakening, and if not, bust. It's It's... It's more than that. It's each moment you have the opportunity within this framework to have that gentleness and that calm. So be gentle with yourself. It's very hard for me at least. Keep up. Keep at it. I'm so so glad you're joining us again. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it for your teaching. Ryan. How are you tonight? So glad you joined us. Hey there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that discussion. Um, nothing, nothing really to add uh, from what's already been stated. But uh, yeah, thanks again. All right. Take care. Come visit. Mary. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think a lot of good things have been said. Um, I think the simplicity and the clarity. Um, is worth revisiting and um, I appreciate your teaching thanks Thanks for coming Neil thanks Um, for joining us yeah thanks for having me Um, I don't really have anything to add except that it's I agree with everything (laughs) and I'm gonna definitely want to put a copy of this in my pocket can you just what's your background as far as uh, are you a, you have a practice? I practiced for a long time in the Tibetan tradition, mm-hmm. and uh, I, yeah, I I love the people, I love the teacher, and I love those teachings. But I just I've been the past couple of years. I've just kind of been on my own exploring. Mm-hmm. The suttas and they, mostly the the Satipatthana and um, lists are not my natural thing, and I'm realizing more and more that I I need them <laughs> because of that. And so yeah. the straightforwardness of this is really yeah the practicality of it. I mean, it's, we're trying to do something, right? Like yeah. we're, we meditate for. A pretty clear reason like because we don't want to suffer so much and um 
having, I don't know, such a inst instructional kind of like, it's just like, you know, when I read the directions mm -hmm. on a piece of Ikea furniture, I put it together. <laughs> <and> <laughs> so, so it does, like, it goes a little against my intuition to do that, but it, it's, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it's, that's maybe the approach I, I need mm. to or want to take. So I found it really, it, what everyone else said, I, I, I echo that, you know. And I need to know the name of the sutta before I leave. Oh, sure. Because yeah. I don't remember anything the first. <laughs> and then Saturday, uh, John will be presenting a detailed analysis of the Eightfold Path, right. even deeper. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think within the Sangha, that's how it, it it worked. It was yeah. here's your newbies. This is the mm -hmm. things that we're going to present, and then they probably identified people that were, at, you know, grasping certain things, and they'd get a little deeper, mm -hmm. and you know, they broke off into different groups, and I think that's just yeah. how an organization builds. They they have to be able to structure it in a way, mm -hmm. and you know. I think that's just. I think there was probably also a lot of repetition involved. They had to re, right? re, re recite and 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 then this way keep it in their in their minds. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. They broke up. Yeah. I mean that's in Tibetan tradition, right? It, yeah. Um, a lot of times you're doing it in Tibetan now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, which, you know, there's value in that, but. The, I just want to memorize all this stuff because the more of the things from the, like the aggregates and everything, the more I, I can retain in my head, the more readily it is for me to notice when something comes up, mm -hmm. like whatever the distraction is, whether it's a feeling or a thought construct sure. or, a, you know, um, I like it. It's, and it's affected my life even just on my own and trying to follow the, you know, the early, the original teachings more, it's a, I've, I've noticed the effect in my daily life more mm -hmm. than ever, yeah. you know, more than all the years. That's great. You know, there was a lot of bliss in the other practice that I did, but. That all came to an end. I mean, yeah, it's, everything's impermanent, even that. And I, I was grasping at that. I definitely found that. Well, I hope you join us. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, this is a, John often refers to how well focused the sangha is, and mm -hmm. uh, again, it's it's basically this: whether it's John teaching or Matt teaching or Ram teaching, mm -hmm. Mary's going to be a teacher. And again, we have just a lot of people that we want to associate with because of how John's restored the uh, the suttas. And we have the retreat in October. Yeah, we have a uh, in uh, in on site in here. Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that was new since the pandemic to try okay. and do something local. Oh, that's cool. And it was really good. And we did a whole successful. we did a whole uh, in addition to going to one. Okay. And we did yeah. a whole uh, retreat on the Satipatthana Sutta. Nice. And you do it here. We did it yeah. here because of the pandemic. So you're going to do that again? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what the subject is, but... Do you know when the dates are? We're going to go back yeah. and just set up a dinosaur again. Yeah, are we going to do it? I can give right. them to you afterwards. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. Well, thank you. That was great. Yeah. Ram. Yeah.
Yeah. Um, whenever I see this coming up, it's like, okay, here we go again. And then when I'm in it, it's like, yeah, I, I, you need this stuff uh, because when 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 my practice starts to rattle a bit, um, another dive into uh, dependent origination is not the answer. This this is the answer. Mm -hmm. This this is the, the like yeah. realigning and refocus, mm. coming back to. Okay, this is what we do, this is why we do it, this is how we do it, period. Uh, so, thank you. Yeah. Dependent origination is just a condition, as Matt said. Yeah. It literally, it's just, don't get mired in trying to untangle it or memorize it. Uh, I memorized everything, and then I put it all down. Yeah. I just put it down because yeah. it was not a, this is not an intellectual exercise right I tend to use you know I, I'm an old geek so yeah. uh, I, that's my that's my first reaction oh how we can analyze that one well where yeah. is that coming from yeah. uh, but the knowing is what you want to experience the experiencing yeah. experience enough just understanding or memorizing it's like the penetrating of the ignorance to to have that insight that of the three marks that's the whole point of the practice is the have that flash of insight and to build on it off your cushion. Yeah. So, thank you everyone. Thank you. We will finish as we always do. Karaniya Metasutta. So find your meditation posture again. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease whatever living beings they may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hate and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should, should sustain the recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, David. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, David. Bye-bye, Sammy. Nice Bye, meeting Jane. you. Bye, Jennifer. Bye, my friend, Jane. Have a good week. You too. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. 
If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.